Welcome aboard, Captain. Welcome back to the Star Trek Minute, the semi-daily podcast where we analyze and discuss Star Trek for the voyage home, one minute at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, Chris LaSalle. That would make me your other co-host, David Stoker. Hey, Dave. Chris. How are you, sir? I am good. Excited to get out of these credits. <clears throat> I am excited to be out of the credits and getting in some good stuff. Excellent. Well, we're back. It's minute four of Star Trek IV. Uh, minute four starts with the uh, the final credit for uh, directed by Leonard Nimoy. Uh, and it ends a minute later with a sensor display showing an unknown object. Ooh, what could that object be? What could it be? Um, all right, well, let's, uh, let's dive right in. Uh, directed by Leonard Nimoy. Yep. I, think we, I think we actually... Yeah, we uh, talked a little bit. About we it talked a little bit. All right. Yeah. 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 So, good job, Leonard. Welcome back. Let's get out of the credits. Let's go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> moving on. Moving on. That's it. Okay. So, well, then the next thing we've been watching this beautiful nebula form uh, mm. as the uh, Christmas music plays, and um, <clears throat> then uh, out of nowhere, <laughs> uh, something just kind of fades into view, mm-hmm. and uh, I already have an issue. <laughs> Yep, it's sort of not there, and then it's there. Like, you literally can see it pop into existence. Yeah, I mean, and I don't want to set the tone, like, for the film or the or the season of the podcast, but right. I'm like, really, that's the first thing, the special effect we get to see is just a, it looks like, you know, they did a beam in. So, I'm going to say special effects much better so far, just in this minute alone are 10 times better than what was in Star Trek 3. Whoa, really? Oh, yeah. Even with this, well, clum- looked- even this clumsy fade-in? <clears throat> so it's not it, – it's kind of clumsy, but you can – so after – if you take it frame by frame, mm-hmm. and I know we're going, <laughs> we're going to the knit to the grit, man. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at it directed by Leonard Nimoy and then the next frame, you can sort of see it. In the cloud nebula thing, it's there, oh. and then it sort of comes out. So, yeah, it looks like it just sort of pops into existence, but it it is coming through the nebula. But I I think we're spoiled, and this is, um, you know, this was made in '86, mm-hmm. and you know, when I said the special effects are better, you know, from Star Trek Three, I mean that was a two year jump in technology. So sure. clearly they, you know. They did things right. Now we're talking, you know, 12 years later, and we're spoiled by the Star Trek reboot where the Enterprise comes out of the, you know, the Saturn's rings, you know, the, all the gas and everything that looks Ooh. amazing. And you're like, that's what a ship coming out of a nebulous, you know, <laughs> yep. mass should look like, not this. And I get it. But back then, eh, I think I, I'm, giving it a, I'm giving them a break. On this. Well, other uh, things, I may not. <laughs> okay. Well, I will say that um, <clears throat> I've, you know, getting ready getting ready for this week's minutes. Mm. Uh, I've watched this minute probably like 20 times. <laughs> and it's ticked me off every time. Like, why? Why? And then you just clarified it for me. I didn't even think that it's just supposed to be 
it's just supposed to look like it's coming through the nebula. Right. I've been I've been reading it as it just suddenly appeared appeared in frame. And I'm like, well, why did it just appear? But you're right. It's supposed to look like it came out of the nebula. Yeah. It's just a bad. It's a bad dissolve through the nebula. It's almost like it was on film, and then they did the post production of the nebula over it so you don't really see it coming through space and then it just sort of like is on one side of the nebula and then suddenly whoop, it's on the other side right right <clears throat> all right all but human. i get it yeah. i get it yeah, no. <laughs> i get it so i think we uh during the hiatus there was um there was a like a twitter game going on or something like you know name the you know, name your your favorite first lines of a movie or something like that. Right. Yeah. And I chimed in. <clears throat> uh, but it wasn't even famous first lines. I think it was just you know first yeah. lines of movies. So I chimed in with Star Trek Four because we were getting ready for it. Yeah. Uh, and I actually went back and forth. There's there's actually the first line of English spoken in this right. minute. Yep. But really, the first thing the first thing you hear is the whale is the probe. It was it's the, the probe. Is the well, probe with these? We don't. We don't. We don't know. It's whale. We don't know anything about whales. I, right? I didn't say. Anything, I didn't say anything about whales. You misunderstood me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, the first thing we, you hear. I think we talked a lot about that. Was whether or not is it is it well is it the whale song? You know, or is it the probe song? Or is it the captain? Right. So what? So yeah. Where do you? Where do you, where do you stand today? Oh, I still think the probe is the is the first. The first thing technical spoken spoken word just because we can't understand it uh, all right fair enough only human arrogance would think that that message was meant for them oh well well done <laughs> have you watched this movie did you watch it for this season i haven't watched and as per my usual yeah I, I i don't watch the movie until uh you know after we go through the minutes okay. and this is just one of those movies that i have seen Probably more than any other Star Trek movie. It's, oh, wow. It was always on TV or it was always on HBO, and it just was something that – it's just a movie that when it's on, I just can't not, not watch it. Cannot it's like, watch it's it, like, yeah. It's like Galaxy Quest. It's like when Galaxy Quest is on, I, I, something just draws me to not turn the station even farther. It's like, oh, Galaxy Quest is on. Let's settle in for this ride. Fair enough. All right. I don't know how many of times I've seen this one. I, I... – Probably less than the others. I think it's on the lower end for me. Um, so yeah, so quote quotables. I'm not as good with the quotables in this one, other than the jokes. <laughs> but uh, all right. So so the noises. The probes making noises. Um, mm. I did a little research here. Okay. Um, and uh, what would you think of the noises? What do you think's making the noises? Well, I think it's the probe. But, you know, uh, in real life, how do you think they made the noises? Oh, how do I think they made the oh practical effect? Yeah. yeah um. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. No, I, didn't, I didn't mean to put you on spot. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I but, hadn't really thought about that. I, I don't well, know. You, you, you wonder, do they rub two sticks together? You know, did they, you know, bang on a telephone pole wire? You know, yeah, all that. Maybe, maybe like a saw. I don't know. A saw. That's a good. Well, you know what it is? It's what? It's, it's whale noises. <laughs> and they just <laughs> they just digitized them and distorted them. Oh, okay. Uh, so uh, Mark Mangini is the sound designer. We're going to talk about him more than once throughout the throughout the movie. Um, he he was the one that came up with you know having to make make probe noises and I mean really true to form like what it should be, 
based on what we learned in the film is it mm. should be something like whale noises and that's actually what it's based on so um kudos to them yeah because that really could have been it could have been anything right they could have made it sound like any kind of wacky uh, wacky sounds but actually oh yeah it. and i will say you know as, as as distinctive as this sound is this is very right unique to star trek and to this film and everything um when i hear when i hear real whale noises you know mm. uh, i don't think of this i don't they they, they don't stick to you know what i mean that i don't just the nerd in me doesn't say oh i go to the probe noises right away you yeah. know what i mean <laughs> but it uh, sound like the probe right but uh so anyway so that's a i think that's a cool it makes a lot of sense um, mm. and uh and it's also impressive how you know how different it does sound from whale sounds even though it's it's there, right? You get, you get yeah. a sense of it, but it's different enough that it sounds alien like it's supposed to. Right, yeah. Yeah, we don't really get a c- clean shot of it. We sort of, I mean, it's still far enough away. We're still not, we're not seeing anything. We're just oh, seeing yeah. sort of like the, you know, that it's black. Right. And that's it. Yeah, it's so far away. And then we, yeah, and then we switch to the interior of the, what we find out to be the Saratoga. Yeah. And already I am impressed with the graphics. <laughs> I was going to ask you, uh, as far as uh, which one, which one is impressing you? Is it both displays that we see on this uh, science station, or? So I went back and I compared like to the first scene that we go on the Grissom to the first scene here, and just and it, and it's everything. It's like the honeycomb, you know, the 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 buttons to the panels to the. The wave to the what it, you know we turn out to be the object, you know um, everything just looks better. Yep. Well, there's a there's a new team, and uh, I don't have all my notes on on the on the design team, but there's a new design team that that showed up for Star Trek Four and Beyond. Yeah. Um, that's kind of responsible for a lot of the uh, a lot of the look and feel on all the displays and whatnot. Um, <clears throat> so I'm gonna I'm gonna s- just save those notes for later, but. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It's it's there's some it's is is this is this it? Are we at like um, you know the Star Trek we know and love kind of thing? Like these right. displays. This is this is what we what we want. I I feel like we're pretty close. Um, yeah, yeah. I think we're we're almost there. Yeah. Next generation, I think had, had there were no buttons, right? It was all like let's all panels. Yeah. All panels. Like on the left hand side of this guy's station. Yep. Is all panels, but on the right side, you still got the you know a thousand buttons. Um, yep. So yeah, I still love having some buttons there. Mm. It just you know just harkens back to the original series and still connects it. And yep, it's me not too. As, it's not too futuristic. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. I find it interesting. You know, you were just talking about we don't really get a good look at the probe mm. uh, as it's coming in, and so really the first time we, the first time you you're kind of seeing the probe is on this display. Yep. Right. This cylinder with a, I don't know, a ball. All on top of it, yeah. Which I think I, I don't remember if the I don't remember if the ball is out at this point, which I find kind of curious because I thought I, I don't remember if the ball. Yeah, I'm just gonna say I don't remember if the ball is out. I haven't obviously haven't seen the movie, so yeah. this memory is sort of failing me. But <laughs> I don't know if this is a continuity thing. Uh, that's a good question. I I don't recall either. I think it's I think it's oh, I think it's out through the whole movie until the end. Okay. Yeah. Because I know during the, yeah, during the end we see something happen with the ball, but I don't remember at the beginning if the ball is out, or if at some point it comes out and does its little thing. Does, does its thing. 
is magic. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I had I, I had a note here that the probe is upside down, and then I I checked myself mm. um, because I, I know we talked about this way back when we talked about Rathacon <clears throat> and you know what is you know quote unquote up in space right, yeah and you know <laughs> uh, how it's really technically you know when you see the Enterprise orbiting a planet it's usually it's not orbiting in the right you know the right direction and there's a scene in uh, Rathacon where the Enterprise is hiding under regular one where they right. kind of pan down through the planet and, mm. and it's in in that position that's it's the Enterprise is actually upside down it's you right know, if you were standing a regular one looking up you'd see the you know, you'd see the top of the dish. Right. Um, and so that got me, so my, my note initially was probe is upside down. And then I stopped and stared into space for a while. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Well, what is upside down? How do I know what, you know, it's, <laughs> so for all we know, that first angle you see of the probe, it, you know, the camera's it, upside it, down. Right. Yeah. Like what is, what is right side up in space? Yeah, exactly. And I just wanted to give it, the other note I had was, um, this is going to be, I don't know how many, uh, how many of the nerds out here, and, and Dave, you probably remember the, do you remember the SETI at home, uh, screensaver. You're familiar with that? No. Oh, okay. I'm going to go in the weeds for a second. Okay. Go in the weeds. <laughs> there's, uh, back in the late nineties, uh, there was a, there was like a, there's a project out there. It's called SETI at home and it's a search for extra extraterrestrial intelligence. They're gathering all sorts of, it's you know, here on earth. This is a real thing. It's here on earth. Mm -hmm. They're gathering all these you know, radio waves and uh, signals from space. Um, and now they're, they're essentially crowdsourcing the signals. So they're, yep. they're you sign up for an account. Um, they download oh, a, ch a little I, chunk. I'm of looking their... it up and I, now I see it. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yep. So they With download, you. yeah. So I signed up years and years ago and I've just got a computer that's constantly just downloading little bits, bits of radio signal and processing it for them and sending up the results. Well, the screensaver that comes with it, it's got a little animated screensaver. It looks very similar to the to the display on the left. Mm, uh, so right. these little, uh, little rainbow waves and, and squiggles. And uh, I just, it's, when I saw it, I'm like, oh, SETI at home. But this would be like 10 years prior to the SETI at home stuff coming right. out. So anyway, I'm now out of the weeds. Cool. SETI at home. You guys should check it out. <laughs> uh, all right. And then... uh. Then we get the science officer pop into view. The Saratoga. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So or actually, she's actually, sorry. Cap, 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 yeah, cap. the captain says, uh, what do you make of it? And then he says it appears to be a probe captain from an intelligent unknown to us. So my first question is, how does he know it's probe? Hmm. Like, could it be their warship? If it's an intelligence unknown to you, you're making a huge leap of logic there, my friend. Yeah, I, I had the same question too. It's like, how does how does he know? It's what defines a probe? I mean, right? You think yeah. about all the all the stuff we've seen in Star Trek, uh, like the Doomsday Machine and you know, the giant cucumber. Mm. Not yep. too different than this thing. Um, yeah, and that wasn't a probe. Um, yeah, I don't know. So yeah, he's making a yeah he's making a huge assumption here. Yeah, and I don't know if we're not privy to some of the information. Maybe he's receiving you know like how sometimes they they'll say on the show or you know uh one of the episodes will say uh, uh they're scanning us sir yeah. you know maybe he knows that they're scanning them and so he's assuming it's a probe mm -hmm. i mean i think we all come to that conclusion at some point that yes it is a probe but right off the bat to say it's a probe just kind of eh, how do you know man yeah sure 
Well, he is a science officer, so yeah, he's presumably... And also, right. uh, I, I think he wants to be a Vulcan. Because <laughs> I don't know if you noticed hit the hit the way he spoke, the way he says yeah. that line. He appears to be a probe captain from an intelligence mm. unknown. He, he sounds like he's trying to talk like Spock. Right. Uh, so I was struck by that. Um, so uh, the science officer, uh, this guy is played by Mike Brislane. Um, mm. And uh, Mike Brislane has uh, no other credits other than an appearance on Star Search. Oh, boy. So I think that's quite the... Uh, that's, I find that really interesting. That it's like the first guy mm. we see, right, in a Star Trek movie. Yep. And he has no, doesn't go on to do anything else. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know, he wanted to be a Vulcan yeah. and just years in work. I don't know. So... Um... I mean, while we're talking about the the actors, yeah. um, the actor that's playing the captain mm-hmm. is uh, Madge Sinclair. Yep. And uh, people may know her from uh, what I remember her most from is the mother from uh, Coming to America. Yes, the Queen. Yes, she was the Queen. Yep. Um, but she uh, she passed away in 1995. She's been in a ton of stuff, a lot of stuff with James Earl Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe she is the first credited. Well, actually, she's uncredited in the movie, but I believe she's the first female captain. That's what I had in my notes, yep. Yep. I mean, I think a lot of people give credit to, like, Kate Mulgrew as being, like, the first uh, cap- female captain on a show, you know, right. as, the, as the star. But here, Madge Sinclair, is, I believe, is the first uh, Federation on-screen captain. There have been other episodes where... Um, you know, I looked up and there was one, I think, towards the end of the original series where someone takes over Kirk's body. You know, a woman takes over Kirk's body and she's technically in charge of the show. <laughs> and then I wow. think there's something with the animated series where Uhura becomes the commander through some sort of shenanigans. Yep. She becomes the uh, she becomes the, the, the captain. And I say that with quotes, like she becomes the commanding officer of the, the Enterprise. But I think okay. not necessarily the captain – where Madge Sinclair is, I believe, the captain. Yeah, and then yeah. I this think is the her se- ship. This is her command. Yeah. Right, and I think the second uh, that I that I know of, the second one is Rachel Garrett. She plays. Uh, she's the captain uh, of the Enterprise C that comes through the uh, the void there. Yep. And that's the one where we meet Tasha Yar again. So, yep. you know, uh, and I know, like I said, kudos to Kate Mulgrew, but not the first female captain oh, interesting and uh, I'm, I'm going back to uh, Garrett uh, mm. that would that have been only the second time we saw a female captain I think so yeah Jeez, yeah I mean I think there were more uh, instances in next generation where there were female captains and female mm-hmm. uh, commanders female admirals than uh, obviously any of the other you know movies or shows at that point right so and I know there have been other captains that were female on Next Generation. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I just can't think of I just can't think of one. We're getting close to Next Generation, right? This is a right. 86, and when is Next Generation? 87 or 89? I forget when that started. But we're getting close. Yep. I had a couple, a couple of the tidbits that matched Sinclair. You said she, mm-hmm. you know, she'd work with um, James Earl Jones. She was the queen in Coming America. Yep. She, was mm-hmm. also, she was also the queen in Lion King. Yes, right. Yeah. yeah. He was yeah, he was yeah. Mufasa and she was Queen uh was it oh, I don't know. Nairobi or is that 
Yeah, I can't remember her name. Or is it Sarap? Sarap? <laughs> I know I'm. I got no clue. <laughs> I'm blowing it big time here, man. <laughs> blowing it. All our crossover Lion King, Voyage Home fans are like yelling at us right now. Like, I can't oh. believe you don't know that. Uh, she was Sarabi. Yes, Sarabi. Yes, of course. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, and the other, uh, well, so a couple things. Uh, Cap, she is Captain Alexander. Mm. Um, and this is, you know, a little bit of the, you know, what's canon, what's not. This is from the right. novel, from the novelization. So this is our, you know, third movie now that um, uh, Vonda McIntyre has done a novelization for. Mm. Uh, so this will, uh, we'll be hitting some of the, you know, some of the. Uh, the add-ons that she has, right? There's some there's some stuff in here that doesn't make it in the film, and um, so all these characters have names in the, in the novel, which is great. It's fun. So she's uh, right. Captain Alexander, and uh, and the other one, the other credit to her name, the other tie back to Star Trek is she's uh, Jordy LaForge's mom. Oh and, right, yes. And she plays yet another captain. She's Captain yep. Sylvia LaForge, Silva or Sylvia yep. LaForge. Yep. Um, so right. anyway, so she's she's a. Uh, She's all in with the Star yeah. Trek. Yeah. But that's why I go back to Mike Brisling. Like, you know, he got in a film. You think he would at least shown up on a, you know, in an episode as an ensign or something in one of the other series, you know? So right. disappointing for him. Mm. So uh, <clears throat> so it's been a continues. Uh, Captain says continue transmitting universal peace and hello messages. Hello in all languages. Mm. Get me Starfleet Command. Yes. So they uh, they found un- unknown intelligence, and you know she's she's not wasting any time here. She's like, "Get me Starfleet Command. We need a we need more information." Do you do you think she should be doing more first? I mean, well, I don't know what more she can do. I mean, continue. I mean, continue transmitting peace and hello. Scan yeah. it. We come in peace. I mean, yeah. She's not going to open fire. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I just it just seems really quick, right? I mean the. Science officer said it appears to be a probe. Mm. All right, let's let's tell Starfleet. But maybe because they're so close to Earth. right, yeah. Well, they're in the yeah they're in the sector. So and then she, you know, she reports to Starfleet Command. You know, this is USS Saratoga patrolling Sector Five, neutral zone. So they're 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 in the neutral zone. Yeah. Uh, we are tracking a probe of unknown origin on an apparent trajectory to the Terran solar system. Attempts to communicate with the probe have been negative on all known frequencies. So I would say, A, you're in the neutral zone. B, you have no idea what this thing is. I, I think you go all in with calling Starfleet, especially right. with recent recent events. Recent events meaning the, uh, you know, the, the Genesis, Genesis planet. planet. Which, yeah. yeah. Tensions are high with the Klingons, that kind of right. stuff. Oh, yeah, definitely. Assuming it's the Klingon neutral zone. Yeah. Well... Again, that's one of those things that they, uh, you know, sort of gloss over. Hmm. Yes. Uh, the helmsman? Ready, Captain? Yeah. Uh, uh, so, yeah, that's before she transmits. So, alien? Yeah, alien, are you asking? Really, 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 oh, dude? <laughs> like, you know who he looks like? And I apologize in advance for stereotyping but he looks just like the guy from kill bill oh sure bill wait no no he looks like um the guy trained her so yeah so he he looks just like pi may right yeah i could see that he's kind of got that he's got a look to him was pi may blind yeah i don't think so okay i don't know pi may was blind 
I think is this guy blind? Well, he's supposed so I got some I got some details on him. Um, I'm going to butcher his name. Uh, uh, Ch- Ch- Chitre Rod Dre. And I'm I'm pulling this from the novelization as well. Uh, so Chitre. Ch- mm. Yeah, I C-H-I-T-I-R-I-H. Um, I found a couple of some some mixed information about what race he is. He's not human. He's mm. I, he's either Ephrosian. Okay. Uh, which is what I found referenced mostly online, but in the in the novelization, he's he's referenced as Delton, which mm. surprised me because my whole you know my whole take on what Deltons look like is just based on Ilea in the motion picture. Yeah. So I just assume all Deltons are bald. Or bald. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, that could just be her personal preference. That might not be Deltons, you know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah. um, uh, so anyway, so there's so there's some mixed stuff. So if you if you it definitely definitely mentioned Delton over and over and over again in the novel. Um, but the um, uh, reference material like memory alpha and all says he's an Ifrosian. Hmm. E F R O S I A N. Yeah, our friends over at Memory Alpha do say that Deltons were identified by their bald scalps. Ah, okay. Well, then we get a little bit of a, a conflict here. So I'm going to go with not Delton. Okay. Um, so we'll say Ephrosian. Okay. Um, he's the same species as the Federation president is in Star Trek VI. Mm. Which, yeah, they definitely look the same, yes. Because, <laughs> good segue, because it's the same makeup. <laughs> So they actually use the same the same getup for uh, God. I can't think of the actor who plays him in Star Trek Six. It's the guy from RoboCop and yeah, that seventy Clarence show. Bo- Clarence Boddicker, right? Yeah. Um, so um, anyway, and and in, in the there are some notes that said uh, the Federation president in Star Trek Six was supposed to be blind. So there's, mm. um, but it's more obvious here. I mean, they give him the white eyes, and you know, of course, white eyes means you're blind, right? Right. <laughs> I would think so. Yeah. Sure. Um, and this guy's played by Nick Ramis. Um, I have a question. Sure. As we're still parsing through this minute, uh, mm. the just the the uh, the wall panel behind uh, the the helmsman. I'm not going to use his name because I'm going to keep butchering it. Uh, it's just kind of flashing. The whole thing is flashing. Yeah, and it's not really changing. Yeah. So like, it's oh, just that, sort of flashing. Yeah. Right. That's, that's a bit of a. It's disappointing. There's just a fluorescent bulb back there that's just flaking out, and the whole yeah. the whole display is getting ruined. Um, oh, one other tidbit about the bridge. Sorry. Yes. Uh, the bridge. This is a this is actually a set redress of the Grissom. Really? Yeah. So no, I would never have I would never have guessed that. Yeah. So I don't know about the panels. I think we you know we've got we we definitely mm. know the panels and everything has been updated in this movie, but the set itself <clears throat> is a is a redress of the Grissom. And I also found I don't remember this when we talked when we did wrath uh, sorry, when we did search for Spock, uh, the Grissom set is supposed to be a redress of the Enterprise set from the motion picture. Oh wow. And I didn't find it I only found like one line. Mm you know, in materials mentioning that. So I don't yeah. know if that's true. I'd have to really go back and look. Mm. Um, but anyway, I think that's the last of my tidbits. Yeah, I would say uh, I'm glad they redressed it. I mean, those salmon chairs were, <laughs> they were frightening. And remember, we remember we talked about the lighting too, that it was, everything yeah, was so the, bright. 
That was the next thing I was going to say is like they've I don't know if someone said something to him, you know, to Nimoy or, you know, said you got to tone down the lighting, dude. Yeah. But I think they definitely and I think that's why, you know, when I when we started looking at this minute and I, and I said, I said, everything just looks better. And I think that's that's a, that's the lighting, too. I think that sets up a, a better mood. Mm. You know, the Grissom was super bright and. It just – I feel like when things are sort of in shadows, it's, it looks a little – I don't know. It just looks better. Yeah, there's more uh, – it leaves more to the imagination. Maybe that's yeah. what it is, right? Better better yeah. ambiance. Better, better. ambiance. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think that's – I mean, I think we get – you know, the minute ends with – we get you know some, uh, some additional sensor data, and it's also – Partway through the minute, we see that same kind of display of just in different colors. They're doing some magnifications yep. of this. Must be a cylinder. That's uh, all yep. we're getting so far. But it just looks ten times better than the Atari graphics from, uh, <laughs> yep. you know. We're definitely up to uh, ColecoVision now, I think, is what yeah, we're I think, getting. Yeah. Um, last thing I'll say is that I feel like um, Starfleet was bothered by their request because they're kind of like, Continue tracking Saratoga. We'll analyze transmission and you know it's kind of like whatever. <laughs> like that's what I got from the dude. Really? Okay, I'm gonna have to go back and listen to that. <laughs> so he's having a sandwich or something and just didn't want to be Probably. interrupted. And we're like, oh, what are you this complaining about now? Can't you guys handle this yourself? Yeah, exactly. All right. So that was your last thing. Nothing else for this minute. Nothing else for this minute. Nor I. Um, all right, well, why don't we wrap it up, and uh, we'll come we'll be back on Wednesday. Um, in the meantime, folks, you can uh, uh, you can check us out on the social medias. Uh, we are at Star Trek Minute on Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr. Uh, try to be regularly active out there, so uh, uh, take a peek. And we'll be back on Wednesday talking about Minute 5 of Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, here at the Star Trek Minute. Bye now. Goodbye. <laughs>